to another edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Carls. It is Thursday, October 27th. We're two days away from Florida State, kicking it off against Georgia Tech in Doak Campbell Stadium. It's a noon game on Saturday, and it's also Florida State's first game since its bye week. Five games left for the Seminoles. Really a chance for them to, to set the tone and, and finish strong uh, for that final stretch. Uh, so when Essen and I talk about the, the matchup later, we're not just going to talk about Georgia Tech. We're also going to talk about uh, these final five games and how we think each of them will go. But before we get there, uh, we're going to talk with Ken Segura, the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So without further ado, here is Ken Segura. Okay, we're now joined by Ken Segura. He covers Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And Ken, before we before we get into sort of the bigger things that have happened with Georgia Tech this year, I kind of want to ask you about just, you know, Saturday's game, the quarterback situation. Uh, Jeff Sims, we, we know he's been dealing with the, the foot injury and permanently left the Virginia game last Thursday with it. Uh, practice this Wednesday, though, so wondering, you know, is Jeff Sims, is he going to play on Saturday, and what, what's kind of the quarterback situation going to look like? Yeah, so Jeff Sims, as you know, I'm sure Florida State fans are familiar with him. He was committed to, to FSU uh, before he flipped and went to Tech. Um, he got hurt. Uh, he got hurt actually two games ago, hurt his leg, and then he, he injured the same leg, his left leg, I think, or maybe it was right, but, um, but he hurt his foot this time. It was a different injury. He left the game against uh, Virginia, was out for the second half, uh, and he was called day-to-day, um, and it, apparently he was out of practice today, and full, you know, and they didn't want full pads. So I guess it's not completely certain, but uh, Brent Key, the interim coach, said on Monday, Tuesday, excuse me, that he expects uh, the two backups, uh, Zach Gibson, who played in place of Sims on Thursday, and then Zach Pryon, who's a Pyron, excuse me, who's a freshman, uh, you expect them both to play. And so, obviously, if you're expecting your starter to play, you're probably not going to say, yeah, I think our number two and number three are going to play too. So that certainly indicates that, you know, maybe Sims will play, but, you know, I, I don't know that Tech coaches are, are counting on that either. And obviously that's that's a big break for Florida State. Um, he's by far one of their best players. He's, a you know, they're maybe their top playmaker on offense and, and – and, you know, someone who's had almost all the snaps. So uh, Gibson, I think, you know, he played a lot at Akron, uh, didn't play very well against Virginia. And so you're, you know, certainly, obviously, you know, if they had their druthers, they, they'd have a healthy Jeff Sims, but they that won't be an option for them uh, on Saturday. I have to ask about Gibson. You know, um, he ran out of bounds and started throwing the ball. Did he answer, like, what happened on that play? Was it just, like, situ- he was not aware of how much time was left? Right. It was interesting. Uh, you would think that was what happened. He was very, very honest in what he said after the game. He said that, you know, he's a right-handed quarterback. He's running to his left. He didn't see anyone open downfield. He didn't think he could throw it. He was, like, in midfield or around, maybe behind it. So he didn't think, I can't get to the end zone. And so he just, you know, ate it and ran out of bounds, which obviously is highly unusual. Um, I don't know that I'd ever seen a quarterback do that before. He said, you know, I, I in talking with the coaches, I realized, you know, you got to give him a chance, no matter what the how dim the the the, the hopes are. But um, yeah, so he uh, he took a little bit of well, he took a little bit of that on social media for you know, I guess a for the play, but then b for saying he, you know, he essentially kind of surrendered on the play. 
I think I give him a lot of credit for just being honest and, and, and forthright and, and not making excuses or, or, or fudging around the truth. But, um, but yeah, so it was, yeah, unusual. I, I, I suppose if it, if it happens again, I, I'm sure he'll, you know, do his best to throw the ball downfield. <laughs> well, uh, just, just talking about this matchup real quick. How, how do you feel like Georgia tech matches up with Florida state? I believe they're 23 point dog. Um, right. you know, I wonder what, what kind of chances you're giving them to, to make it maybe closer than expected and, and how, right. you know, they've, they've played pretty decently the last three games, two and one. So wondering right. if you think that may carry over a little bit. Um, I think so. I mean, I, I can certainly understand why the point spread would be what it is. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you're looking like you're playing with a quarterback who, you know, in two, two plus quarters got your offense three points and, uh, and, you know, against Virginia and obviously you're stepping up significantly and you're going on the road. Um, so I guess no wonder it's the spread is what it is. Uh, you know, one, you know, by the same time, you know, it's the same team that they beat Pitt, they beat Duke, who, you know, obviously aren't world beaters, but, but, you know, are, are, you know, certainly in Pitt's case, you know, was a ranked team. So if they can bring the run game that they had against Pitt, and obviously it'll be different because they won't have Sims and, and the, you know, teams have to focus on him so much if, if that's the case, but if they can, you know, they've got three good backs. If they can, you know, if the run, if the offensive line can play better than it did against, against Virginia, and I suspect it will, and you can control the game a little bit, you know, you know, make it a maybe lower possession game. And the defense too, I think has played really pretty well again in the last three games that, you know, they produced a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know, they, they held uh, Virginia, you know, take with a grain of salt, the 16 points. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you win special teams, uh, the defense kind of rises up and, and, Maybe you, you you turn out some drives and get a a big player too, and, and you find yourself in a game. You know, I don't I don't know. I'm not confident that'll turn out that way, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it were. I think there's a team that's still playing hard and and probably is a little embarrassed about the way it played against Virginia. So um, you know, those things are are in his favor. And um, you mentioned you know two uh, two wins against over Duke and um, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That was after um, Collins was fired. Um, right. You know. What is? Have you seen improvement? You know, obviously, the first half of the schedule is like very front loaded with Clemson and Ole Miss and right. um, UCF. So yeah. has, has there been an improvement, or is it just the schedules lightened up, or is it probably a combo of both? You know, it's probably some some of the schedule, but I think just the way the team is playing, you know, making fewer mistakes. It you know, energy is always kind of quanti- you know one of those things hard to 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 describe or to to you know quantify, but. Um, but yes, yeah, so, you know, offense is playing better. I think you know Jeff Sims again seemed like he played with a lot more energy and, and you know fight than he had previously. I think what happened is that, among other things, I think you know there's just so much kind of maybe tension or a cloud over the team because of you know Jeff Collins' the questions about his, his job security. And so once that happened, I think and, and Jeff and the interim Brent Key came forward with you know a pretty clear message to the team about here's what we're going to do. If it, one thing you said a lot is if it doesn't have anything to do with winning, you know, we're not going to worry about it, which is kind of one of the things that, you know, Jeff Collins was, was criticized for. So um, a lot of things have happened, I, I, but I do think they're playing better, you know, the schedule, the schedule aside. With Collins, uh, just curious what 
maybe you thought went wrong with him? Uh, did you, did you, were you bought in initially? Did you think he was going to have success or did, did this kind of pan out the way you thought it would? Um, you know, it, it's funny when he came originally, to, and then there's going to be a longer answer, I guess, but you know, he came from temple and he, he'd won there, but he hadn't won as much as Matt rule had who preceded him. And so, you know, you kind of wondered, how much of it was him and his staff. Um, he came in with a lot of kind of, I don't know if innovative is the right word, but, but different ideas for tech. You know, he was focused a lot on branding. He'd come with a reputation as a recruiter, as a younger guy, uh, had a lot of energy. And I think kids, the kids on the team were responsive to that. And I think the recruiting the first, particularly early on, went really well. Um, the problem was, you know, I I don't know if he, he you know, ultimately if, he, you know, if he's, fit, I guess, to be a head coach, you know, in terms of all the things he needed to do to, to, you know, to have all the answers and to, you know, to, to be that CEO, he's certainly good at a lot of things, but I don't know if he was, he was strong enough, enough of them. And the other thing too, is that, you know, you look at his staff, um, a lot of former tech players were on it, but there wasn't a ton of, and I guess still isn't to some degree, a ton of, of power conference experience. And so they throw a lot of guys, that were, um, you know, getting their first experience in the ACC or any other power conference, uh, you know, at, as they were coming in with, with Jeff Collins. And not to say that they can't be good head coaches or good coaches if you're not at that level, but it certainly says something. Um, and then they got, you know, I think probably COVID didn't help in terms of just developing players and instituting things. And, and after the first, his first full class, you know, the recruiting really trailed off probably in part because the record wasn't, you know, backing up what they were, you know, I'm sure recruits wanted to see. So it was a lot of things. Um, they lost some close games last year in particular. Uh, and I think, you know, again, I, you know, probably at the beginning of this year, there was a lot of frustration with players about not winning and, and that sort of kind of fed into things speeding up, you know, and going downhill. And, and this off season, I mean, it, could be interesting. You just you see some of the names that are being floated around. The, right. the rumor mill. I mean, I, who who knows what what the trust? But you know, you've seen Dion mentioned. Right. Uh, we've even seen Florida State's offensive coordinator Alex Atkins mentioned. So they could go a lot of different directions. Right. You you talked about how you know he's at Temple and and maybe didn't have quite the you know full experience so i'm wondering do you feel like they should get a guy that's maybe a little bit more established or you know like what kind of coach do you think makes the most sense for if georgia tech's trying to put their best you know front 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 foot forward right i mean this feels to me you know you know i guess we'll start off saying you know brent key certainly is, is a possibility and, and especially his candidacy will only increase if if they finish strongly um but I think it, it feels to me like you need someone with a strong hand, you know, ideally someone who's led another team before, ideally someone who's been something through something like this before, um, but someone, you know, can communicate well is going to be, you know, genuine and, and be able to connect with the players and have a plan. And um, and so I, I, I definitely think it's, yeah, like my sense would be that's that's what you would probably start with. You know, obviously you don't always get what you want, but, um, yeah, that sort of feels like, you know, you, that'd be the direction I would think they would go in. You mentioned, you know, uh, you know, it's someone that has experience, uh, but Georgia Tech is, you know, a storied program, um, historic program. 
you know, it's obviously declined in previous years. So how do they get? How do they? How does Georgia Tech get back? <laughs> with you know the recruiting base they have in Atlanta, do they need someone as a coach who has a strong Atlanta connection? Uh I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I, it, it certainly helps. But, you know, if you can recruit a staff or hire a staff with a lot of those guys, then that, you know, takes some of that uh, obligation or, or part of that job away. Um, yeah, it would, it would help, but I don't know that it's necessary. I think you just need a guy that knows what he's doing and and knows how to build a program. Um, so uh, but certainly there's plenty of coaches out there that have recruited Atlanta a lot. So, I mean, I, I guess it's not like limit your pool that much. I mean, I, I guess at the very least you want someone that knows the Southeast and you're not hiring someone from, from out West or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I don't, that's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a prerequisite. How, what showed your text um, path back to, um, you know, becoming what they right. were? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think now with, with the portal, it's probably not as, as hard. And I, you know, I think parts of this roster, there's some talent there. Uh, the other thing is, you know, with the, the the league the way it is, you don't have to be that good, I don't think, to get to the middle of it, which at this point would be, you know, a, a success and a good first step. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think just having a, a, like a firm foundation with with your staff and and i think you know jay bat is someone that the new ad is someone that i think is what will help with that in terms of providing resources and that sort of thing um but oh yeah you know i honestly recruiting while having you know having really really good assistants who can be the difference in in, in winning and losing games like we we're some back saying i don't know that that's necessarily the case um you know being strong on special teams kind of simple things but um but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I I almost think it's almost like any team, just making sure you're, you're you're doing the little things right and not beating yourselves and 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 playing smart football and and I, I think you do those things, you know, in, in its own way. It's you know you you win it, you win more games and and you build some you know build energy and momentum and I think that that in itself probably draws recruits. It's never going to be a place that's going to recruit with Georgia or, or Alabama or Clemson, but. You know, it's got to be a place that can. You know, it's going to recruit with all the other ACC schools and and the lower lower tier SEC schools, and you know, certainly within the Atlanta and the state of Georgia. It can just from like the outsider perspective. You look at Georgia Tech and you think, well, man, they they got incredible academics. They're right. in Atlanta, one of the greatest right. recruiting hotbeds in the country, not to mention the rest of the Southeast is, is pretty right. awesome now. Yeah, you're you're going to get Georgia, Clemson, Bama, even a, even teams like Ohio State are you know dipping right. into Atlanta now. But there are so many players, great players to go around <laughs> that you'd think yeah. they can get a couple. Is it surprising at all? Is this is this a program that should have higher expectations than maybe the perception is right now? And uh-huh. does does it surprise you that it's like three win season, three win? Like to me, it's just like. How is a program like this struggling? There's so much to go. There's so many good right. things to go with it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few things. One is that, um, to go back to Georgia and, and Alabama, like, you know, it, it, the, the, the state of Georgia is just so heavily 
leaning towards, you know, the Bulldogs that, you know, most kids, if, if Georgia wants them, they're going to go. So they're, you, you just, I mean, maybe there's, you know, occasionally for whatever reason you, you flip a kid. Um, but so that's, that's one of the obstacles you're, you're, you're dealing with is that, you know, basically over the, you know, the long history of, of this route, well, not all through it, but, you know, certainly recent, recent history, Georgia's going to get who they want in terms of the best kids in the state. Um, and then the academics certainly is, it's, it's top notch. Like you said, um, you know, it's one of the best public schools in the country. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think you hear this from a lot of coaches at tech and we heard it from Jay bat, you know, when he was hired the other day that, you know, we've got to use our academic reputation as an advantage. And, and you certainly, you can, there's kids out there that, that say, Hey, you know, I want to, Get, I want a tech degree. It, it can help me out later down and down the road in life and, and look at all these, you know, former football players that are now successful in, in whatever field. And so there is that, but, but on the other hand, it's, it's also a pretty tough place to go to school. There's, there's not a lot of places to hide or maybe no places to hide if you're not, you know, willing to do the work. Um, you know, famously they talk about everyone has to take calculus and that's not <laughs> a requirement at, you know, most schools. And so, um, so it's, it's, in, you know, at, you know, on the one hand, it's it's uh, an advantage, but on the other hand, it's it's certainly a challenge. Um, and then, as far as Atlanta goes, yeah, I, I think certainly that that can be an advantage. And and one thing to Jeff Collins' credit, I think he did use it well. You know, he talked about you know the, the whole four hundred four thing, and I think that you know you look at his first class, uh, the, the twenty nineteen class, his first twenty twenty, excuse me. Um, it, it, he brought in a lot of kids, and I think he, he was appealing to them kind of on that basis. Um, and they did recruit Atlanta better. Uh, so it, it definitely can work. Um, but, uh, but it's the sort of thing where, yeah, you've, you know, you've, they, as much kind of momentum probably as they built, you know, they probably lost it a lot, a lot of it too, just by having three, three one seasons in a row. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it, it can be. And the funny thing is like, you know, before Jeff Collins, they, they were a pretty good team. They went to something like 18 bull games in a row. Um, they, they know they, they won an orange bowl, with Paul Johnson, uh, you know, they, they won an ACC title with him in 11 years and they competed for, uh, ACC championships and won the coastal. So it's not like, you know, tech's history is, is limited <laughs> last, you know, four years. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't see why though, you know, all that to say, I, yeah, it, it, I don't see why it can't be a team that, you know, wins seven, eight games a year. Maybe if things go right, get up to nine or ten and and compete for an ACC title. I don't think Tech fans expect a whole lot more than that. But uh, but you're right. I, I think it certainly can be much much more competitive than it has been. And I, I I think whoever they bring in will have every opportunity to to, to do that again. Can you guys bring someone that's going to you know bring a triple option back? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I I wonder. Like you know the the thing is. It obviously was very. It was successful. It worked, um, and I think it'd be very easy to say, "Hey, you know, someone like Jeff Munkin at Army, you know, come down here and let's run it again." And, and you know, maybe their results be the same or even better. I think Jeff, you know, if you could put all the, you know, as much as identity, his identity is that offense, Jeff Munkin's. He's, I think aside from that, he's still a very good coach, no matter what he's coaching. But. Um, I think one thing that, you know, you, you might want to consider if you're tech is that if it's not the triple option, you, maybe you have some sort of unique or distinctive system that you can recruit to and, 
And that's not going to be the same thing as what Georgia and Clemson, Alabama are running. Because I think, and I've heard this, and I think it makes a lot of sense, you're going to have a hard time beating them playing their own game with inferior players. Maybe your coaches are going to be, you know, marginally better. It's hard to say, given if you're talking about Davos Swinney and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, although you're not playing Alabama, um, it's it's going to be hard. So, you know, if they're eight or something else or or whatever, you you probably do have to be a little bit distinctive in in what you're trying to do on on the offensive side of the ball. So, Ken, before we get into score predictions and all that good stuff, Um, this offseason, ACC, three five five model going forward. The RIP Coastal, we're, we're all very sad uh, about the Coastal. But w- one of the, the crazy things for Florida State fans, you know, they knew they'd get Clemson. They knew they'd get Miami. For Florida State, the, the, most, the city that has the most Florida State alums right. in the country is Atlanta. Uh-huh. Everybody wanted Georgia Tech. That's what right. everybody wanted. And then they pull this, uh, no, we're going to do Syracuse. Uh, right. That's going to be the third one. And it ended up right. being kind of a, a mini controversy, I guess. And uh-huh. their, their reasoning was, well, we, we want to tap into that New York market and, right. and all that. But I'm wondering from Georgia Tech's perspective, was was there, were they content with, with their draw and did they want Florida State? Um, yeah, they, they, there weren't a lot of people really excited about, uh, about Tech's draw. They got, uh, gosh, it's been a while since I thought about this, but they got – Louisville, Wake Forest, and Clemson. So Clemson kind of seemed like the no-brainer. You know, they've been rivals for a long time. Although it's funny, um, I don't know that Clemson or Tech was super like, we got to do this about it. You know, certainly Tech from Tech's side, they, they, they've been beat up for the last seven years, I guess, in this series. And so they were, they wouldn't have minded a break. Uh, Clemson, kind of the same, maybe the sort of the same reason of, you know, we like playing tech They're They're close, but it's not like, it's not like it's a rivalry, like Clemson, South Carolina or Georgia, Georgia tech. I think, um, I mean, just because you've played someone every year doesn't necessarily make you like super yeah. arch rivals. Um, but anyway, they got them anyway. I, I think it was on the ACC wanted, uh, and then Wake Forest. Um, you know, I think that's a good matchup. You know, I think that's kind of what the ACC was thinking in, in moving the model is that, you want to play more teams you haven't seen. And certainly, you know, you haven't played, you know, Tech has played Wake Forest, which is maybe like the second or third closest ACC team to Atlanta in, you know, maybe twice in the last 12 years or whatever, or maybe less than that. Um, So that makes sense. I think some fans were like, well, we don't have a rivalry with Clemson or with Wake Forest. And I would, you know, I guess the counter argument is, well, yeah, that's why we're, you know, you were trying to repair that. Um, Louisville, uh, was yeah, it was one of those things that Louisville needed somebody, and and Tech is sort of close, and you know everyone's got to kind of take a take on a rival or a you know permanent partner that they're not excited about, and so that was Tech's. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Tech fans would have been very excited to have Florida State. You know, there's been a, a great history of of really really good games between the two teams. Um, you know, as you say, there's a lot of Florida State people in Atlanta, and so it's kind of a natural you know coworker thing, and, and obviously Tallahassee isn't far away too. So, yeah, I, I think if you could have traded out um, Louisville for Florida State, um, I think Tech fans have been a lot happier. Well, Ken, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I don't know if we're putting you on the spot here, but uh, score prediction, and how do you think the game's going to go? Man, I, I'll punt on the prediction of the guy. I, I, I don't know. I'm never good at them, and uh, it always seems to invite trouble. But uh, <laughs> I think it'll be closer than 23 points. Uh, you know, I, I, my 
guess is it'll be, you know, if it goes the way Tech wants, it'll be a lower scoring game. You know, maybe, you know, both teams in the 20s or, or, or Tech loses, you know, by 10, something like that. Um, you know, I, I could be way off. <laughs> it could very well be decided, like, in the way that, you know, it's it's kind of being you know, the way the spread is looking. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm certainly you have to think that, that Florida State, particularly if Jeff Sims can't play, that they're going to be in a really good position to win this game. But uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit closer than, than anticipated. Well, good stuff, Ken. We really uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, have a good time at the game, man. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Okay, thanks again to Ken Segura for coming on to the show. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about Georgia Tech now and, and really just the rest of the season and, and some other Florida State sports. But Essen, uh, just, just to kind of start off, Georgia Tech, 23-point favorite uh, for FSU. I mean, what what do you think about this game? you, you think they're going to cover? And, and what, what does this game kind of mean for them? Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit, you know, before. Is um, it kind of depends on if Sims plays. If Sims plays, that twenty four, that twenty three point line seems a little high. If he doesn't play, it might be like the Boston College game where Jordan Travis gets one snap in this one um, drive in the second half and get to sit the rest of the game. So it could be interesting. Um, what it means, uh, you know, they win this game. It's win number five. They're one game away. That's how many games they won last year. They're one win away from bowl eligibility. It's a big deal. You know, every win from now on, I mean, every win this year has been huge for Florida State. Every win from now on is even bigger because it just means, A, bowl eligibility, B, what kind of bowl game are you going to, and C, what does that do for recruiting? Yeah, and, you know, last five games, coming off a of bye week, really chance to set the tone. Like, to me, I view it almost like the Boston College game where it was like, Let's see this team play a complete game. Let's see this team really dominate. This is a game they should win by at least three touchdowns, in my mind, no matter who's at quarterback. And, you know, going into the final stretch, you do that, that builds confidence. Now, it, the, the three-game losing streak, it didn't pan out well, but I think they were content at the time after seeing, okay, you, you won your first three games and then you beat Boston College the way you did. That, that gave them some confidence. I think going in this instance, if they can, for the first time in you know about a month, play a clean game, that's what you want to see. You want to see a clean game where you know they just they haven't had that start to finish complete game since really Boston College. Yeah, and um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, three touchdowns. You're probably right that they win by that. Like they should win by that. But it would not be surprising if it's like the Clemson game. Where the final score is not as close to the, um, you know what the game probably is because Georgia Tech will probably have a nice run at the end when all their be- um, you know third stringers are in for Florida State. So yeah, it's it's possible. And and, and Georgia I, Tech. I think no matter who the quarterback is, I don't think it's going to get to twenty three points. It's hard, you know. Yeah. It could. It very well could. But that just depends on how many points Florida State scores early. Yeah, I was going to say Georgia Tech's defense is is competent sure. enough, and Florida State's offense is not very good in the red zone that maybe the the way for Georgia Tech to really make this a closer game is force a lot of field goals and then just hope that this Florida State defense cracks like it kind of has you know maybe you're in a you know 16 to 
three game in the third quarter and you're like, okay, this is actually kind of manageable. You score a touchdown, it's one possession game. Like I think they hope that you force them into field goals or, I mean, Florida State's chance a field goal is not automatic. But, you know, the, with the way they've been in the red zone, that could be maybe a way with, with Georgia Tech's defense. Saying, and that's why you want to see Florida State. Like yeah. this should be the game. This should be the start of like, okay, this offense is a top 25 offense. They need to prove it in the red zone. If if they can't get their act together there, it it it's not going to be a magical five and zero stretch. Another key stat for Georgia Tech is they're plus ten, they're number four in the nation, and plus ten turnover margin. So yeah. they don't turn the ball over, and they turn you over. Um, I they, I think they turned Virginia over um, a couple times at least. Um, so um, the, their only touchdown came on the pick six. Yeah. So um, it is a team. It is a defense that can score. Something that Florida State has not proven they can do yet. So um, you know that's where they could make this game interesting. And Florida State is like you know I think um, in the mid sixties um, with a zero turnover margin. So that's that's where Georgia Tech has the advantage and can make this a game. And you want to see Florida State's defense also like they've been this bend don't break defense. Like let's let's actually see this defense for some turnovers. Let's see them actually come up with some big plays. They just, they haven't had that. And they've, you know, people have been saying, oh, they're Van Dan break. They kind of have been the last few games. This should be the game where they just come out and I want to see them not give up a touchdown. Or I want to see them, you know, hold them to single digits. Like, let, let's see that finally happen for them. Kind of like what happened with, with Boston College to a, to a degree. Uh, like I said, but um, yeah, I, overall, I mean, it, it could be a big game for Florida State in the sense that uh, Fabian Lovett also is coming back potentially. Uh, Mike Norvell on Wednesday told us that uh, you know the star defensive tackle is a game time decision, and really, that's all you kind of need to hear, right? Because if he doesn't play this game, probably going to play the next game against Miami, you would think. Uh, so. That's some encouraging news for, for Florida State. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, um, we learned Florida State is more aggressive. Mike Norvell is more aggressive in re- um, returning players because Jordan Travis was a game de- game time decision leading up to Boston College. And I don't think anyone on the beat expected him to play in that game because it's like it's Boston College. They should win this game regardless. Maurice Smith. Maurice Smith. So they are aggressive and not scared. You know, if the players – and I'll, I'll just say it's not like they are smart as well. It's not like, you know – they risk re, uh, major re-entry with these players. They've played it smart where they've held them back. You know, like Fabian Lovett, um, Norval mentioned, was, thought he was ready for Clemson, but then the last day of practice, they're like, you know what, maybe not. Let's roll it back. So they have been smart. They have been prudent, but at the same time, they've been aggressive. Yeah, and if with Fabian, you wanted to be careful because unlike the other other injuries, he, he did have surgery. So something that he needed to, to kind of gradually work his way through. But... We have seen just how impactful Fabian Lovett is. I mean, we saw it in the LSU game, just how great of a player he is. And then in his absence, you've really felt it in the running game uh, and at defensive tackle. And I think you bring a guy like that back and, you know, they're sitting at number 84 in the country and run defense. This is a run defense that can improve. And, They've faced a lot of the great rushing offenses they'll face 
early in the season and running running quarterbacks too. You talk about Malik Cunningham, Jaden Daniels, DJU, Will Shipley. There have been so many guys they've faced. You know, down the stretch, you're going to have to face Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, and, and at Florida, Anthony Richardson. So there's a few guys in that mix. Um, but I, I really do think the, the, the hardest part is behind them. Now it's about just, you know, a couple games left on the schedule where you have to worry about that. And uh, I think, you know, being a lot more healthy has an aspect to do – has to do with that too because a lot of those games – they were missing a lot of guys. They were missing Jared Verse. They were missing Robert, you know, a fully healthy Robert Cooper and Tatum Bethune. Now that those guys are a little bit more healthy, maybe you see the running defense be a little bit better. Let me pose a question to you, because I got here. You know, um, we talked about this. My first, uh, my first official week on the job was LSU week. We already saw some injuries. Like Duquesne game was a massacre for injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that entry tent went up way too many times. That was concerning. Um, <laughs> but um, is this the most healthy a team's been since, like, you know, um, spring ball maybe? Um, At least on the defensive side. Spring ball. So, I mean, maybe pro- I would probably say preseason camp. Because um, you, you lost Winston Wright in spring ball. Uh, um, so look strictly on the defensive side right now. I think would that be the most healthy they've been since, you know? I mean, definitely since at least preseason camp for for sure. Um, I mean, it that Louisville game they were dropping like flies, and you saw the Robert Scott. Game, Louisville game was were massacres. Yeah, and I, I mean, it happens to everybody, but you know, you count them thirteen starters, and that's not even mentioning guys like Jakai Douglas and Amari Gaynor. Uh, it's been brutal. And, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, strength and conditioning. No, they've just been like a unlucky guy gets rolled up on from another player falling to the ground. Wrong place, wrong time. It's been a lot of that. And just like some of these games, it's just been like, man, how is this happening? But, you know, maybe maybe there's some positive regression. Maybe these last five games will be relatively healthy. Um I think it's kind of exposed the lack of depth some of this team is this team has at some positions, uh, but now that you're, you're healthy, I mean this these five last five games will be really illuminating as as to okay what what really is this team because the first four games first you know next three pretty up and down these last five are like. They will be favored in four of the last five games. They need to finish at least three and two. Uh, four and one, I think, would keep the fan base happy. And then five and zero oh is is a revelation. Uh, two and three, anything less than that, anything less than three and two, I, I think is. Uh, I mean, it's it's not like the end of the world if you're two and three, but I just I fan base will not be happy with that. I think at two and. Are you looking at what? So that's um, four and three right now. You're looking at six and six. Yeah. One game improvement. I think you squarely have Norvell in the hot seat again next year. I would say I would say that um, because if you go two and three, that means you're losing Miami, Florida, Syracuse. That means yeah. you would have lost almost every single game that mattered except LSU. You would yeah. have lost. Yeah. So I think at that point. 
there's not enough progression for the team to be like, oh, we're confident this is moving in the right direction. Now, if they go three and two, like you know, which would be like, you know, random, like saying losses to Syracuse and Florida, I think he could live with that and be like, okay, you know what, seven and five, we made enough, we made a huge, you know, um, step, and you know, five and zero, oh, you mentioned is in the realm of possibility for Florida State. It's not, you know, it's I think you were looking at FPI had like a percentage chance. What was the percentage chance? I think it was twelve percent. Twelve percent. So that's not crazy low for like you know where this team was beginning of the year. So let's go into it because we we are coming out with a story this week, which you can find on Tallahassee.com. Kind of looking through each game, what they mean, who 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 will win and why. Let's just go game by game really quick and and just sort of give our take on who we think. So Georgia Tech. We both think Florida State will win. You think? I mean, you thinking it'll be closer than twenty three? What, what, what would you say there? Um, I guess we'll just go ahead and give our score prediction for Georgia Tech now. So Let's go it. ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I'll say you know um, I agree the defense is good, so I'm not going to say it's a super high scoring game. Um, I'm going to go like twenty eight fourteen. I'm going twenty seven ten. So I'm going with um, Miami. So what do you say? We we both agree they probably don't cover. Yeah, probably don't cover, but like that's still a convincing. I, I win. think I think it'll be a convincing. Like I don't think it's gonna be a game that people are like oh. But okay, so let's let's go on to Miami. Well, yeah, Miami. Miami's been a dumpster fire all year. I mean, it it is almost stunning. Just you, you, they came into the year ranked pretty high. Quarterback, you thought would. Potentially be a really high draft pick. Had that hype to them. Uh, you know, I, the games I've watched, I just it's. I know they've got guys missing, but I'm like, man, this wide receiving core is terrible. I mean, it, it their offense is just a joke right now. It's stunning. I, I can't even turnovers. Eight turnovers. <laughs> I can't put it in the words. So let's let's talk about Miami. I mean, what are you thinking there? I, I mean. Because I, I'm not even thinking, like, you, you want to say Florida State win, but I think it could be, like, a double-digit potential blowout. If I mean, if Duke can beat them by 24, Florida State can beat them by 24. I don't know. Yeah, I think the only thing that goes into that would be a difference in a Duke game and a um, Florida State game is the players will get – I think I, – I will say this on you – know, I think the players have quit on Cristobal a little bit this year. Um, like, if you look at the Duke game, like – they, they hit adversity and they did not look good. They went down and they struggled. Um, so, but I do think no matter what happens, no matter who the coach is, no matter it's Florida State, yeah. they will play a lot harder. So I don't think it's be like a twenty-four point game. I think Florida State could win by ten to fourteen points. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Miami. If there's any game that they'll arrive and and play hard, it's that game. It's home game, a night game, prime time. Dance might even show up. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Miami fans, Florida State fans will be uh, yeah. loud in there, anyways. It yeah. will probably feel like a home game for Florida State, but <laughs> Miami fans might show up, guys. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think I'm thinking a double digit win, but not a blowout or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it'll be a close game, but Florida State, you know, wins still convincingly. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, now let's talk about Syracuse at Syracuse. Um, 
that's the hardest game left on the schedule. Absolutely. What, what are you thinking on that one? I have Syracuse winning that game. Um, close game, probably you know, three to ten, three to um, seven points. I, I have it within the touchdown. Syracuse wins. Yeah, I'm thinking Syracuse win. I mean, I they kind of have all the elements that go against Florida State. They run the ball really well. Uh, they defend the run really well. Like they just they're they're an all around pretty solid team. Sean they Tucker, I think. Overs. Do what? They force turnovers. Force turnovers. I mean, it's a top twenty team for sure. Um, you're on the road. I think Syracuse wins that one. Um, Louisiana should be a pretty easy win. Pretty convincing. Um, if it's not, then uh, you got a problem on your you hands. Problems, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. me. The fourth game for a lot of the um, third game would be Georgia Tech for a lot of the um, redshirt guys. Louisiana being the fourth game for um, you know. Yeah, which that'll, means that'll be a game to watch. That score in the third fourth quarter. Yeah, that'll be a game to watch. I mean, who who are you throwing in there? Um, we were talking about today about Julian Omarella. You know what? How many? You know, do you, who are these guys you want to redshirt? Rodney Hill. Um, so that'll be something they, to watch. They do have something that they have not to worry about in Norvell's tenure is they got a bowl game. They might want to play these guys in as well, depending on who opts out and who doesn't opt out. You know, so that's the other interesting part. But yeah, for sure. And and now let's go to Florida. Black Friday game, another another weird team. I mean, you, you see the opener, and I mean, I, it's not like Utah's. At, I mean, they they were expected to have a pretty good season, but when you watch that game, you felt like Utah should have won that game, but right. but still, you're kind of like, okay, wow, Florida really really coming on the scene, and then just man, what what's going on with Anthony Richardson? What's going on with that defense? They seem to be in shambles too. They, they obviously got a, a, a tough schedule, so th- there could be a bowl game on the line for them when they come to that game. If they have you know five six wins, who knows? Um, but again, another game where it doesn't matter how bad they are, doesn't matter how many questions there are, probably going to be a lot closer than people think, or you know probably going to be a one possession game. So what, what are you thinking, Essen? Right now. Um, just watching the, you know, and I'm going to go, like, we're so far away from that game, so it's hard to make a prediction. So based on playmakers, when Andrew, you know, Andrew Richardson's the biggest playmaker in that game, probably, if he's, you know, not throwing the ball 50 yards over his head, receiver's heads. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then um, ETN, you know, um, um, which ETN is over in Florida? <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, He's a good playmaker. They have, some, they have some playmakers. Right now, I'd say Florida Slight Edge. Yep. Uh, okay, so you said Florida Slight Edge. Okay, so mm, I'm going to take Florida State Slight Edge. I'm, I'm kind of – I was conflicted on – I was kind of like four and one almost seems too good to be true with how this team can kind of stumble with – consistency but I just feel like the schedule sets up so well for them Georgia Tech and Louisiana are cupcakes Miami and Florida are in shambles uh and Syracuse I think is a team that matches up well with FSU so to me it seems like an easy four and one but 
again, the injuries and the red zone and, you know, not forcing turnovers, there's some problems that could get exposed against, a, you know, a team that has some playmakers like Florida for sure. And rivalry games, you know, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, you know, um, it seems like, um, you know, Miami, wow, like, that's just amazing to me. Eight turnovers in a game <laughs> against Duke. Uh, Did Duke crazy. put Mayo on the balls? Well, I saw the guy snap the U on his knee. I don't, that was. I mean, again, I, I'm like an outsider. I don't care about any of these teams, but like, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I, I was just like, man, that that guy, <laughs> that guy's amazing. Whoever did that would snap in the U. Like, I've never you, you see the U, like people throwing the U down, but you never see someone snap it in half. No, that was um, hilarious. Um, and while we we're speaking, Miami actually turned the ball over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so now I want to talk about some of the stories we've got going on this week and, and also just other FSU sports. But, you know, first wanted to mention the story I got coming out on Tallahassee.com Thursday morning on Florida State Athletic Director Michael Alford. I, I got a chance to shadow him for the Florida State-Clemson game. So, you know, I, I was on the field with them. I was up in the suites with them, right outside the locker room after the game. Really got to see everything that he does for about eight hours, um, and not just for a typical home game, biggest home game of the season. Uh, so, really, some interesting things there that that I was able to see. I, I think you guys will enjoy it. You'll learn a lot more about you know what what this athletic director is like and what what a role like that, how busy they are during a game day. Uh, you know, Michael Alford's somebody who who's very detail oriented and likes to kind of keep himself busy, talking person to person. So, you know, tracking that w- w- was a blast and, and very grateful that, you know, he was open to, to me doing that. Um, so, so yeah, again, just, just check that out. I think you'll learn a lot. Um, SN, don't know if you have anything to add to that, but, but what do you got uh, working and what, what, what are you doing this week? Speaking of detail-oriented, um, find out what kind of shoe Michael Alford likes to wear for game day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, detail oriented. Um, Carter does a great job in that of you know being detail oriented. So they're you know, yeah, yeah. I I love to love the details. So yeah, it, it was it was cool. I, you know, really just hanging out with him and his wife all day, pretty much just seeing what they do. I mean, Wendy and Wendy, have you ever um, like? I think the average fan has no idea what an athletic director does day to day, but especially not during a game day. And I think you guys will be very surprised to, to just see what all he does. Um, I, mean, I think you mentioned you watched like a quarter and a half of the game. That's all you got to watch? Yeah, I mean, we he is so, you know, bouncing from person to person. I mean, I, I, I'm not even kidding. The, the, the day after, my right knee was sore. I was so – I was like limping around because – it literally felt like I had ran a marathon. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. What is wrong with me? Because this guy just goes up, down, up, down, you know, the suites and, and the field, talking with everyone he can, real busy dude. So, I mean, it was it was definitely an experience. I really enjoyed it and, and very thankful that he, he, you know, was open to doing it. But um, enough enough about that. I want to ask you, Essen, what you're kind of working on this week. 
Yeah, so let's start with um, uh, let's spend a couple minutes talking about soccer. They've had a, another great season, you know, probably surprising to some people outside because of, you know, the coaching change, Brian Penske taking over. Everyone is on transfer portal. I don't know how there was room in that transfer portal. <laughs> you know, um, they all, um, most of them came back and they've had a magical season, you know, um, 12 wins. They play tomorrow and have a chance to, you know, maybe get a um, ACC championship, maybe get a top two seed in the ACC tournament get a buy in the first round of the ACC tournament, and that matters for ACC tournament, you know, um, the, the overall tournament. So it's a huge game tomorrow. They win. They're in, de- they're in great position. Then they need a little bit of help here and there, and it'd be interesting. But um, then there's a feature on Clara Robbins, who is, you know, um, going to be playing in her 103rd career match. Just think about that number. That's Two that's national champions, seven seasons, you know. Amazing. I was joking with someone today that she might be older than me. Um, she's not, but <laughs> I had to look it up to, to make sure because I'm like, uh, this would be a little weird. Like, I, we, it's weird when an athlete you cover is uh, is older than you. But um, well, you didn't cover Chris Winkie, so. <laughs> <laughs> Seven p.m. though uh, tomorrow Thursday, Virginia Tech is is the game. Uh, Essence written it in his stories, the tiebreakers, I mean, they're, they're enough to break your brain. So um, I'm not even going to attempt to say what they are. You, you can uh, check them out in the story. They're, they're online right now on Tallahassee.com. Um, and then, Carter, you're going to get the exhibition game tomorrow, right? I will be. I will be. Uh, Florida State uh, basketball is, uh, has got an exhibition game open to the public, open to the media. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, pretty important season for Leonard Hamilton. Just coming off last season, uh, real tough. I mean, I you can't even blame uh, the coaches or the the team because it it was almost like uh, what the Louisville game was like for the football team. It's just guys dropping like flies. And how are you supposed to win games when like? six of your best seven players are all hurt, you know? And when they were healthy, they were like the number one team in the ACC for seven or eight games. And then it just ended up being a collapse. But, um, you know, I think Leonard Hamilton's earned enough goodwill and um, they've gotten a couple interesting pieces. Uh, Darren Green's going to be a guy to know. UCF transfer, really, uh, really sharp shooter that they've added. Uh, Jalen Ganey was going to be a, a really top contributor for them uh, out of uh, the Ivy League, but uh, he, he suffered a season-ending end, injury um, you know, during preseason workouts, but really big loss for them. Um, and then I think the main two guys really this year are the, the two returning, two main returning guys, Caleb Mills, Matthew Cleveland. A big Taylor Swift fan. It, yeah, it, it, Matthew Cleveland, uh, Essen wrote a big feature on him uh, a, a week or two ago, um, so you can check that out. But yeah, it, it big season. They're going to get tested a lot. They've got you know uh, uh, a non conference tournament they'll be playing in in Florida. They've got uh, Purdue at home. They've got four conference games in December. They've got Florida on November eighteenth. Uh, so it's a loaded schedule. They're an inexperienced team, and they're going to be tested early. So I think 15 games in the season, we'll probably have a pretty good idea of what this team is. 
Yeah, and um, like, you know, speaking of, you know, Matthew Cleveland features two weeks ago, um, tomorrow's um, Thursday's newspaper, and uh, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, I'll have a feature up on Naheem um, McLeod. You know, his he had an interesting path to Florida State, signed in the 2019 class, um, had to go to Chipola College for, um, you know, um, to get his academics to become eligible. And I just talked to him about his path, his maturity, how he's matured, and it's a it's an interesting feature. Um, I think you guys will like it. I enjoyed putting it together, so I think you guys will enjoy reading it. Um, and then on Sunday, the women's have a scrim- women have a scrimmage. Um, another interesting season, you know, um, new head coach. Um, Carter will talk about it in a second, but I will have a um, feature on uh, in sun on Sunday in Sunday's paper about Tanaya Latson, their five star recruit who they signed, and just um, she's a fun personality, you know. Um, um, Carter had in the story that she was dancing to gasoline up, you know, pregame. Her um, high school coach gave me a great um, story about, you know, how she, um, they, they were at an escape room downtown in Atlanta after, um, like, you know, and near Brave, the Brave Stadium, Tourist Park. And they passed the club and she heard Spanish music and um, just kind of just hopped on a bench and started dancing and the whole team followed her. So kind of describes her personality, how she's fun, bubbly. And, you know, she was a great interview. So um, and the coach was excited about her, what she can bring. Absolutely, and and Brooke Wyckoff, first season as head coach after uh, being an assistant under Sue Simro, uh, big big shoes to fill there for sure. But uh, yeah, Latson Latson will be a great player for them for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 start to uh, really cover both of those teams as their season gets started here uh, in November, um, and as football season winds down. So you guys can definitely uh, look out for that. But um, I think that's all we got today. So uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. And you can follow us, uh, obviously, on Twitter. Uh, Please give us a, a rating or a review. And we appreciate you guys for listening.